Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is supported by Chimney Fire Coffee. Chimney Fire Coffee. Supporting ethical and eco-friendly practices. Chimney. All the way from farm to cup. Fire Coffee. They source their beans from El Salvador, Ethiopia, Peru and Brazil. Then they roast them in the Surrey Hills. In the nice bit between Guildford and Dorking. Jimmy. They work directly with farmers. Fire coffee. And they share their stories. Jimmy. Their packaging is fully compostable. Fire coffee. Listeners to Three in a Bar can get 20% off their first coffee order. Simply head to chimneyfirecoffee.com and use the code 3INNABAR at checkout. This is 3 in a Bar, a podcast where we are joined by a different musician every episode. I'm Seb Philpot. And I'm Verity Simmons. I play the trumpet. And I play the cello. Our guests could be from any part of the music world. We've spoken to pop stars, composers, orchestral musicians, singers, musical theatre performers and lots more. We chat about their careers, ambitions and get a glimpse into what makes each musician unique. Shall we sing the song? Oh, don't make me sing the song! Three, three in a bar! Hey, I tell you what, auto-tune is a wonderful thing. First round's on me. Oh. Well, Here we are. Back together again after uh, well, a normal time apart. Fairly <laughs> <laughs> bog standard, fortnightly. Bog standard gap. Yes. But I have been on holiday since... Oh, um, you have? <laughs> since our last episode. Blimey, I forgot that. How was it? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Ah. Uh, yeah, no, really nice, thanks. Went you to were Corsica. out in the sun, weren't you? Was it lovely? Just beautiful mm. there. Oh. It's so nice. We're really lucky with the villa. Yeah. We, we tried to find other villas because we've got an expanding um, family, not my family, but but the, the extended family mm. of my parents. Not my parents. My parents aren't involved in this holiday. <laughs> I'll try and start again. The extended family of my wife's family. Yes. Okay. Basically, the Kabagians, right? Yes. Um. They are expanding. There's just right. more, more, more and more kids popping okay. up. What I'm trying to say <laughs> is the villa we, we went to, which we've been to before, is um, it's getting a bit small. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was concisely, concisely put there. <laughs> <laughs> 
but did you all fit in it? But did you, just about. Did just you about. go back? But, but I don't know. But if you have this on um, your holidays, sorry, my, my mic stand has just started to just creep down. Uh, is it going away? So I've had enough. My, my, my mic <laughs> has abandoned me. Um, it's backing off. Yeah, I don't know if you're like this on your holidays um, with your kids. That mm. by about day four, you just want a bit of time away um, oh, from them. Yeah. Yeah, quite. <laughs> just. But yeah. I mean, I think it's harder if, if you've got toddlers that don't sleep in the night. Well, because are you all in the same room? Is that the thing? In the same room, yeah. Actually, yeah. Stella was is really good actually, but um, other yeah. other kids in the family, like some of the adults, some nights just didn't get any sleep at all. Oh, so blimey. by and then by the end of the week, you're just exhausted. You just want to get home. Yeah. 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 So, so I yeah. think that's what they're um, that's but but the, the, what I'm saying is. The spiller is a bit small for our purposes. Sorry, we will get to the show in a minute. The spiller is a bit small for our purposes, but it's okay. but apart from that, it's perfect. So there's a pool, and you get a sea view, and you get the view of the sun disappearing oh, behind the mountains uh, wow. every single night, like west facing. Uh, but you see Calvi, which is. Um, do you remember when we, we chatted to um, what's her name? Um, the violinist. Uh, Esther Abrami. Esther Abrami, yeah. She yeah. she was zooming in from Calvi and I tried oh, yeah. to say, Oh, uh, I've been there, but she um she wasn't that, that she, didn't <laughs> she just didn't <laughs> want to know. She just didn't want to know. So oh yeah, okay. Um so anyway, you it's around that, that way. What that she wasn't No, you could see that she wasn't what you could see Calvi. You could see it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could see yeah, Calvi lovely. from our from our patio. Oh, God, it sounds wonderful. But, hey, we're not here to talk about my holiday. Well, no, I'm we're quite enjoying it, about... actually. I'm very interested. Well, I love well, a holiday. I mean, I mean I, <laughs> You're are right. people really interested in getting to the, the interview as fast as they can? Why not? Let's let's enjoy this slow build-up. <laughs> That's it, exactly, because then when they get there, they'll feel so relieved. <laughs> I think so. It will just seem, it'll seem streamlined and fantastic. But... <laughs> No, I mean, I think it's lovely. I'm always somebody who likes looking at other people's holiday photos. I know that's strange. It's, it's not, doesn't tend to please people, does it? But I mean, there we are. That's what I like to yeah, hear I about think... it. Kids. Um, yeah. So anyway. Yeah, Corsica. Go, go to Corsica. It's very nice. Visit Corsica. Yeah. Good food? Uh, yeah. I mean, we actually, we cooked all the food ourselves. Mm. But yeah, great food. Everyone's good cooks, so... But we didn't really have any local oh, delicacies. Drank some, oh, drank some wine. Went to a nice vineyard. Yes. I, I texted you, oh. didn't I? Because uh, Yeah, that looked good. It's a biodynamic vineyard. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, could you tell me about biodynamic wineries? Oh, God, I'm going to try to. Is this where there is something to do with they pick to do with the at night or something like that, isn't it? Is that right? Am I thinking about the right thing? I, I think it's um, basically like organic, isn't it, really? Or they... No chemicals. Oh, okay. Oh, I know. Sorry, I'm thinking about something else. I'm thinking about the one where they pick at funny times, like where they go and pick at night and it's something to do with where the sun and the moon is. But that's not it, is it, at all? Is it to do with well, the like, fact they're like organic? aliens. Basically, like, that's what In the film, <laughs> aliens. Um, no, I is think it's organic? like they, they grow certain bushes to stop um, things. Ah, to, yeah, okay. Maybe it's like... Yeah, they attract um, all the insects and things to different fruits something like, and bushes. Something yes. like that. Oh, cool. They yeah. were saying they had some, it was going really well last year. Yeah. And then the day before they were going to pick everything, 
this massive thunderstorm came and oh, just no. wiped about 80% of everything out. Oh, God. Terrible. Just <laughs> Yeah. It's just awful, isn't it? Well, what was it? Was it good wine? Did you? Yeah, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really nice. What were you drinking? Um, everything. White, oh, white rosé, red. Yeah. We Ooh. bought Magnums. Um, Ice creams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> white chocolate. <laughs> to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. It's, uh, oh. oh, I love drinking out of a Magnum. Not <laughs> <laughs> I use a glass <laughs> straight from the bottle like a racing driver good yeah um is it time yet have we warmed them up yet oh I think so I think they're ready <laughs> good <laughs> especially the the Joby Burgess fans that that have never listened to an episode before and they're like well let's oh, check this one god. out yeah sorry this guys. episode is, is 100% Joby Burgess nothing else <laughs> it is it is. Um, so there's our guest this week, Joby Purchase. He, we yeah. saw him. It feels like ages ago now, doesn't it? We went and met him at the beginning of the summer. Yeah, it was that same. It was the day before we chatted to to Katya and Doug. Yeah, that's down right. Down in Chichester, yeah. um, we did three, yeah, three inter- interviews or conversations, whatever you want to call them, uh, mm. in two days. It was a bit of a, bit it was of a big epic, one. wasn't it? Yeah, and. Um, we went up to his house, yeah. sort of wherever that is, home, home in the home counties, home, in the home, home. north of London, <laughs> and yeah. went to his studio yeah. in the back of his um, back of his garden. Yeah, which was amazing, wasn't it? The coach house, mm. which he talks yeah. about at the beginning he, of this. This he does talk chat, about it. Yeah. yeah, he does. Don't say Look, too much. I tell you what. I'm not going to, but I, what I am going to do is I've got his yeah. his biography up here um, yes. from his website. Thank you, Joby. Thank goodness for that. Um, yeah. Okay. One of Britain's most diverse percussionists, Joby is equally at home performing with Peter Gabriel at Red Rocks Amphitheatre and The Who at Wembley Stadium as reimagining Blade Runner at Symphony Sydney. Sorry, what am I talking about? Sydney Opera House and Ibiza Classics at the Royal Albert Hall. Known for his virtuosic performances, Joby's solo projects, Power Plant and Pioneers of Percussion, have taken him from Bergen, Berlin, to SESC, Pompeia. Oh, God, I'm going to be making this completely wrong, aren't I? Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo, full stop. Recent releases from (laughs) Signum include Gabriel Prokofiev's Concerto for Bass Drum and Eric Whitaker's Marimba Quartets. I think I delivered that perfectly, didn't I? That's so good. (laughs) So good. And I... I usually edit these podcasts, but I'm not, not going to bother. <laughs> Good. Great. Um, okay. It just goes on a little further, so I shall. Often found at Abbey Road and Air Studios, Joby's playing can be heard on major film and TV scores, notably leading the percussion sections on Black Panther, Rocket Man, Ad Astra, Mission Impossible, The Darkest Hour, Doctor Who and The Green Planet. In demand as an educationalist, Joby created the Virtual Marimba Choir, which brought together 227 percussionists from around the world during spring 2020. There we are. Wow. I know. Busy guy. And you knew him before, right? From from school. Guildhall. Yeah. Guildhall School. Guildhall. The Guildhall School. The Guildhall. Music and drama. That's right. Yes. Um, but I don't think I'd seen him since leaving. So what's that, you know some years ago <laughs> um, yeah did you have much up? of a relationship then did you what are your memories of him no 
but I do remember, I mean, he was a few years above me at college and I do remember him from big things like the James Bond things we'd do with Ben Foster. Ben Foster is somebody oh, else we yeah. should get on this, actually. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, should. he's great. Um, and Joby, I just remember that he was always doing lots of exciting things at the Guildhall. Um, so mm. it was great to catch up with him. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't has, it? <laughs> has he changed visually? He looks very similar. He looks very youthful, wouldn't you say? He does, doesn't he? He does. Yes. He does. Not, yeah. not a grey hair on him, so, so far no. as I could tell. No. No. And, um, well, look, we did this interview to coincide <laughs> with... <laughs> I feel like, well, but, did you see, I just tried to steer that away because I was yeah. so worried that I'd say something gonna, terrible. Gonna, <laughs> you were going to say something else. What were you going to say? I was going to ask him what he smelled like. He smelled <laughs> he like... He smelled all right, didn't he? Fresh cut grass okay. and roses. It wasn't, it wasn't even notable what he smelled like. I, it it sounds like he did smell. He did not smell. No. <laughs> he didn't know. I just just trying to clean. I'm just trying to bring all five senses to the to the audience. But um, that's lovely. That's lovely. Well, he was very he clean. Unremarkable. He smelled very nice. Um, <laughs> very clean. <laughs> but then, so we did this interview with him, sort of to coincide with his new album that's coming out around yeah. now, basically like this week, isn't it? I I think it's the week of the nineteenth. Oh, you're right. You're right. So next week, if you're listening to it as this drops. 19th and of September. he does have, he has a tour coming up starting at the Royal, or is it the Queen Elizabeth Hall? Is it the Queen Elizabeth Hall? I think it's at the Queen Elizabeth Hall. I think that's it. Mm. Um, let me double I'll check look, that on his it's website. On, it'd be on his website, wouldn't it? Yeah, it will. And I'm right there. Let's have it's a on the 30th of September anyway. Yes, that's right. Until the 7th of October. 30th of September is at the Southbank Centre, so that's the Queen Elizabeth Hall. 4th of October in Norwich Arts Centre. 5th of October in Liverpool. 6th in Edinburgh. 7th in Leeds. There you go. All over the country, wherever you are, you oh, can brilliant. find him, more or less. It sounds like a, yeah. a brilliant show. Um, yeah. It's his first gig back in a long time, posts, post-COVID. Yeah. Is it yeah. first first gig back? Well, we talk about that towards the end of the, the chat about um coming back to playing again and and mm. uh whoa. Any any nerves? Gotta be yeah. some nerves, haven't there? I think he, he talks yeah, about I that. Think so. Because actually he's um he's been playing an awful lot, hasn't he? He's been recording. He really threw himself I mean, he's always done a lot of sessions, but um when the pandemic hit, he uh, he was doing a lot of home recording. So he's kind of, his career has pivoted really. So he spent, he used to perform live an awful lot. He talks about this, but um, yeah, he's been just go, gone in a different direction, I guess. So it'd be really interesting. It's interesting for him, you know, to see how it is going back in. And he's got, well, I love it when he chats about um, how he sets up how he sets up his percussion around him and his relationship with an audience. It's really interesting, isn't it? Hmm. It is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, but we we discuss it in the show. I don't want to give too much away. Oh, sorry. I um, know. No, it's good. You've you've set up the ideas of the show. It's perfect. <laughs> what what would you do differently about that that description? So so should we go show? and cut to him then before I give away too much? <laughs> <laughs> 
You, you froze there. You froze. Yeah, you froze too. I so was I didn't just hear trying to style it Did out. I freeze too? Um, oh. <laughs> Sounds like technology is telling us to get on with it. And I um, think you're right. Well, this is, listen to the, um, the in- no, this, we've done that. <laughs> Coming up is the conversation with Joby. Um, we do have extra Joby content. If you want to hear more, there's, um, there's more if you join our Patreon uh, linked in the show description and we've got some um extra extra chat with him that we <laughs> frozen again we couldn't quite fit in to to this episode we also do little rambly <laughs> if you like uh if you like the the rambly nature of this intro oh you you will love full length versions of this um in our patreon just join yeah. for three pounds fifty a month plus that um anyway this is um this is our intro no, I've said it again. <laughs> this, is our, this is our conversation with... Oh, and now you've frozen. This just gets better. Oh, Joby Burgess. I've lost you. So. This is a fantastic studio. Yeah, it's okay. Did you, did you renovate it and build it? So it's the coach house for the house. Very nice. So isn't when it? the house was built in, I don't know, eighteen seventy, yeah, something, they built with us for the coach and horses. And so downstairs was a hay barn, and down here was the stable bit, yeah, which is why there's a big door at the front to get the coach through with a hay hay thing through. And then the hay barn would have been up here. But when we bought this house, um, the previous owners had been a hairdressers. Oh really? So <laughs> when we first came in here, you can't can't quite can't quite see it anymore. And we renovated the bottom of it to kind of make it more useful for us. There is this there are still those little flaps for plugging your hair dryers in <laughs> on the floor. So all the way down this side of the building. Oh, also this, right. Yeah. So you can put your hair dryers in and your straighteners in and all that sort of stuff. So that's the bit that's left. Yeah. So this was the salon upstairs. <laughs> nice. Wow. It didn't leave anything else. Like no. The, um, wigs. Big, wigs. <laughs> big mirrors. Um, no, no big mirrors. <laughs> no. No, I think that sofa was left. Oh. Oh, was that's it? That's all right, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have an overwhelming urge when you come here in here, though, to ask people where they're going on holiday this year? <laughs> <laughs> Something for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Start gossiping. Brilliant. <laughs> so what did you have to you I mean, clearly you've had to do a lot of work. Have you did you have to soundproof, do things technical? Um, no, not re- not really. I've sort of done I've sort of done enough to, to make it a usable space. Yeah. Um over the years. And we've had it for about, I don't know, twelve years or something. And I could have done loads. I could have soundproofed it, done new doors, new windows and stuff, but I it, you could just chuck a lot of money at it and sit here and have no nothing to do in here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> which oh would kind God. of be a, a bit fruitless. And it's, you know, this is... I'm getting a very hot sweat on. I'm currently building a studio in the garden. Oh, really? a lot of money. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> so, no, I've done, I've done pretty much nothing. Um, the, one, the one thing I did do um, is I've had a bunch of engineers here over the years and we've just record bits and pieces for you know a record of mine or for someone's film or tv show whatever and um every time someone's come up they've just made a few suggestions about things we could do there was one time we spent about three days just trying to work out the best position for everything 
which we worked out was that position there between the two, whatever those supports are, things that keep the roof up, I suppose. And um, we played around with different microphone positions and spinning the room around, facing different directions because it's got this nice arch. But, it, you know, it's it's not, it's a nice space, but it's not huge. It doesn't sound like a beautiful church or Abbey Road or whatever. So mm. you you can't try and make it into that. So um, just sort of take the view that you you make it sound as as pleasing as possible. I don't know, and I think with for, for me, I've always tried to remember that as much as I've done lots of engineering, I'm not an engineer. Um, I don't have a studio. I don't have a you know a fantastic space, but um, there is me, which is the, a good starting point. That's kind of the most important thing. Um, my experience, my instruments, and you just go, sort of go down that tick off the things that you can tick off, and that's the most important. Bit. Yeah. Such um, a good way of yeah, that's really good. It's good, to a- and talk. most of those things you already have. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> that's kind of the idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so is it a nice sort of balance between being kind of a dead sound, like if you need it to be, or or actually quite a nice, slightly more live feel to the room, so it's not a bit alien. And yeah, so um, all of the engineers who have been here have sort of made that sort of advice of trying to you know mic things in different ways. Um, so. It, sort of doing some close mics and some sort of distance mics not terribly distance because the space isn't big enough but you even even just kind of two or three meters of space mm. sort of turns into sort of a room mic and you sort of hear start to hear a bit of the room and we tried a lot of different ways of even doing that um and then using some different bits of gear to sort of accentuate that a little bit more as well um so mm. people yeah people are generally pretty impressed um with, yeah, with what they get so <laughs> you record a bunch of stuff here for composers and send it off and yeah you record stems for them and and that gets used in films and tv and yeah it obviously yeah. sounds great if people keep coming back right? yeah yeah i think that's the key isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, going, yeah we're happy, happy with that. customers <laughs> we'll put this in yeah. and uh yeah <laughs> yeah i think it's just about having that bit bit of knowledge and just having that bit of experience of i don't know having having done it yeah. i think also the 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 thing I think I think the thing that matters the most is obviously there's that sort of weird juxtaposition between do you want you know something that sounds amazing recorded not very well or do you want something uh sounds a bit shit recorded <laughs> impressively impressively well well we, we want to listen to the thing that sounds really good yeah and yeah. Um, and then you just develop the skills to for it to sound as good as you can make it and yeah um and I think by actually having people come up here and and sometimes record me or sometimes you know just you know be here for half a day in front of a three or four day project yeah i found that really helpful is that what you do so if you're recording for a film project for mm. example you'd have an engineer come in to do that with you or do you ever go it alone brave it? oh no i often no more often than not i'm just here by myself you are. i yeah. just do it by myself yeah. um but yeah it, I, it was just kind of what I, I mean i started playing around with microphones and four track tape recorders before as a percussionist so that's yeah. sort oh, of really? like an older skill than i mean i didn't develop it very far by comparison, <laughs> yeah, but it was always sort of there, and that was always my interest. Yeah. Um, so was that what equipment was that then? Is that kind of analog four track stuff? That would be like a, a Tascam, you know, four track. Yeah. Um, uh, on with you know D nine TDK D ninety cassettes. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. A long time ago, where you had to ping pong everything down, you know, yeah. like the Beatles did. You had to yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Ten tracks down to you could get ten on. I think you could just do different things. Um, and I, I remember doing like work experience um, in Bristol when I was a kid, and I spent two days just re, you know, being given this this entire studio and this huge desk to work out, how, you know, being shown how to how to do things. And I don't know, that was kind of 
I was, you know, really into that sort of stuff. And I was just a drummer. Right. So that, that sort of all made sort of sense to me. And yeah. Yeah. So the stuff you, you were making, was it all drums or did you put other melodic instruments as well? So when that particular thing was just um, mixing reel to reel tapes of, of like local bands that had been on the, well, Southwest TV, HTV. Oh, right. Yeah. When I was a kid. So Were you from oh. around there? Yeah. Yeah. So near um near Bradford and Avon. Oh nice. Oh it's lovely, lovely part of the world. That's Not a... far from my family too, yeah. Oh very good. Yeah. That's a great bit of work experience, getting in yeah. somewhere like that. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. And then I don't know, the probably the most amusing day was when you went out of the news crew for a day. You get all those local stories. It's like, yeah. You know. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and here, here's the woman who, who found a cat in the. Yeah. I don't know. How many swan related issues were there? I don't think there were any swans, but it was that sort of, yeah, it was that sort of thing. Just somewhere yeah. around Bristol, somewhere. Oh, yeah. We've got to go to Swanage and <laughs> we'll look at the ducks. I love it. Um, did you record much of your album? At, in this studio here, or were you out and about? Well, the idea originally was to um, record it all with my engineer for the album, Nick Woolage, yeah. who's a brilliant, uh, brilliant engineer and, and mixer. Um, and we were going to go, and originally we were going to do it at Air. Oh, yeah. Um, just in the studio at Air. It's kind of, kind of a nice big space that I quite like, and I think percussion sounds really good in there. Um, so we sort of agreed that. A while, quite a while ago and um the project sort of became really difficult the sort of the album project became really difficult because there wasn't kind of any finite points and you know i wasn't able to go and tour it and premiere it in mm. the, the way that was originally conceived um and then by the time we'd kind of done a, a, a enough got through enough of the project and the pieces were finished and we'd sort of workshop them a bit and done some bits of recording and made some started to make some videos uh, both our diaries had kind of got crazy busy and all the all the work that both i think both of us but certainly me um more so was getting booked really last minute it's like <sighs> are you free in three days for the next five days mm. and it was kind of like that time where you know everyone was you know things were just starting it felt like things were just starting to happen again or in a, in a, certainly in a more sort of regular way and uh <laughs> it was kind of like uh, this is it was kind of really difficult to commit to that it felt quite difficult to commit to that so we just we just find sort of a different way to do it so i recorded a, an awful lot of stuff here um for the record and then we did a day at rack uh, in st john's wood where we did two pieces pretty much live which was really good fun um and then we just did some bits and bobs and overdubs on quite a few of the tracks there with nick mm. um but there was quite a lot of involved. There was quite a. It was kind of quite a long process, and obviously, I'd spent, I spent so much time in here, in two thousand mm. and the beginning of two thousand twenty one. Yeah, in the lockdown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time here recording, and so it felt like my sort of skill skills had gone up from what I was doing previously. I'd done it for you know done that sort of you know remote from home stuff for maybe ten years, but not not as a business and certainly not yes. in a kind of really regular way. And so it sort of felt like, well, I can do that. And, um, and Nick made some, uh, made some suggestions about how I should record things. And, and then we saw, you know, it, it was a case of making stems for him and he was kind of super happy. And that's kind of just another, a sort of another stage development. So it felt like you kind of learned something else from the whole process of making the record in that way as well. Yeah. Mm. But it was really nice to go into a room with him and, yeah 
we did this so there's a there's a piece on there that i wrote which is um a, it's 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 taken you know notes from this uh choral piece by bark yes it's beautiful just, we were talking about this before called which was it come the, sweet death yeah. right oh, remember stunning piece. yeah so yeah. it's just yeah. Remember. yeah and there's a there's a piece by a japanese composer um where i can't remember his name, i've forgotten his name will come back to me you you effectively just play these um very slow repeating patterns but you put a delay on it and the the thing just sort of becomes this swampy soupy thing that you mm. can grow and uh, and ungrow um it's basically a big crescendo and a bit of diminuendo and um we did that in one take but we did it all we did it by putting speakers in in rack in front of the marimba and then mic in the speakers and mic in the marimba oh, right. putting putting the marimba into the into the control room and back out through the delays and recording that whole thing and then just doing two or three takes and going yeah that's the one. Oh wow wow so that and i think it, it it's quite exciting it's because you're doing something in real time as opposed to sitting there going oh i could do this this bit again and try yeah. that bit later totally. um and i think for the the nice thing about working with an engineer who you know is that they can make you feel comfortable and push you to you know try and do something a little bit more edgy and he's kind of he's very laid back but also that's quite a high risk kind of thing but a high, a high risk high reward i suppose yeah so, exactly yeah, yeah. So that was kind of that was one of the things we recorded at Interesting. yeah yeah and because yeah at home if you're just here on your own you've got all day a few days to record it you can just go over it again and again can't you yeah, yeah you can there's <laughs> and there's that whole thing of about just putting it off and putting it off. I've yeah. got something else I could just yeah. do this morning. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. 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 You know, I think probably like everyone else, I am the greatest procrastinator and it just <laughs> oh, it just goes on and on. No. And it, you're, you're right. I think that's, I think the the thing that comes in useful for, for, for has come in useful for me with that stuff is that because I spent prior to, um, what, March 2020, a lot, you know, half of my time was in the studios anyway. Mm. Um, I sort of knew what was enough and, what was what was just going to be you know what you that that sort of um you reach that point where you just get diminishing returns you sort of need to know where to stop you you need to know that you can't spend nine hours in a row trying to record something yeah it won't sound good yeah because after five or six hours you you're probably kind of done (laughs) that's true (laughs) yeah yeah and i think accepting that and you know knowing that that's that's enough and knowing when it's enough as well yeah um that must have been very refreshing then to go in and record that track. Had you and you'd done a number here before, before going into Rag, or was that an early one to record? I think the the that rack day we only did one day, but that day at Rack was in somewhere in the middle. Oh, was it? So it must have been quite freeing and then and refreshing, like you say, to have this quite quick process and to, to feel that you got one there. Did you come back then and sort of have a new lease of life really for the rest of the recording? I think most of it. I think most things have sort of been done by then so oh, okay. there was some change there was some sort of changes after after that point but i know i mean the record was done sort of maybe in just three or four weeks kind mm. of september and then first week in october yeah. kids went back to school started in september yeah yeah <laughs> that, that was it that was, makes yeah. absolute sense yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. but then the, the the thing that i the thing that was kind of nice about it is that if there was a piece of of work to go to i could just go and do that bit of work and come back and yeah it sort of feels kind of like a kind of a job yeah. job that way as opposed to and everything's here and you don't have to sort of restart 
it doesn't feel like restarting too much. So yeah, mm. yeah, it was kind of nice. It was a nice way to do it. And I, I, I sort of thought about doing that before, but it never kind of realised you never carve out quite enough time, and it's been easier to carve out time recently <laughs> yeah or just have it <laughs> <laughs> yes all that <laughs> what's it like now is it is it busy for you with recordings it seems like there's so many sessions going on and, and a lot of work for people yeah um, film you know film sessions and yeah stuff. it's been it's been really busy which has been really good um and in the last i don't know two or three months of this year um it's kind of almost back to back to normal like everyone in the room together for the first time. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, not spread out in, you know, yeah, seven, COVID style. 70 or 80 people in a room. Yeah. And that sort of feels kind of, it still feels quite new and quite different, but uh, it's okay. Yeah. We're yeah. still still testing to go to, to do those things. Yeah. So that's kind of, I don't know, it sort of feels, it sort of feels kind of almost back to normal, but but somehow not quite as well. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. There's something in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> still, yeah. Um, going back to your album, uh, so it's fantastic, by the way. We had a listen to it yesterday. Absolutely amazing. Nine new compositions. Were they specifically commissioned for this album? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, that, yeah. so the originally there were nine composers. Yeah. <laughs> now there are only seven plus me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I yeah. <laughs> it sort of started at nine, went down to eight plus me, and then became seven plus, <laughs> plus me twice. Um, but yeah, and everything... Everything was sort of conceived as a as a whole, um, and it was the idea. For, it's been quite long. Long, so the, originally we were going to premiere the pieces. Um, they were sort of co-commissioned with the Cambridge Music Festival. Yeah. So between myself and the Cambridge Music Festival for their November twenty twenty festival, which yeah. of course didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that's when they were to that's that was originally when they were going to happen, and so. I suppose people, people had were people on the edge of starting to thinking about writing them at the beginning of 2020. That was kind of the original timeline, um, and some people had kind of got. And they're not; they're all you know tracks. They're only four or five minutes, mostly in length. And um, so, at, the begin, at, at that point, some people had kind of we talked a bit, and some people we hadn't talked a bit, and that was fine because you know the deadline was months away. Mm. Um, and I think at that point, some people turned up and were like, oh, yeah, here's your piece. I finished because I've got <laughs> <'cause laughs> anything else at the moment. And some people were like, no, I just can't. I just can't do this. I can't do this right now. And it, people, and so I just sort of left it, parked it. Said, it's not it's just it's just some music. So it's not it's 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 not the that's not the end of the world. We have to wait a year or two years for it, whatever. And the festival were really, really. Um, supportive and and helpful so it just it just, the whole thing just took a took a bit bit longer than it originally would have done but i think the results are fantastic so the music is is, is great and i i'm really it doesn't it doesn't always happen that when you commission a whole bunch of pieces you kind of get sometimes you get one or two you go uh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks but, thanks yeah. but um, bonus track anyone yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. It's almost. I think it's almost a bit dangerous to to do to do that. But I think I knew. Yeah. I kind of know all those. I know all these people yeah. pretty well, um, with, without too much exception. And um, we spent quite a lot of time going back and forwards, mm-hmm. and people visiting, and just just talking. And I don't know. I think if if you sort of set it up, if you set it up, then you're always going to get great bits of music. And hmm. and I think 
I think that whole idea of getting them to to sit together is sort of inbound in sort of the raison d'etre that I gave them, which is this idea of, you know, short form, um, some sort of narrative. And then the instrumentation was really sort of not put upon them, but it was kind of like this is the this is what we're this is the instruments we're gonna use. We're not sort of going any further than that. Yeah. And there's even a, there is a stage there's a stage plan for the instruments as well. Um, which is really open. So there's actually no, actually I haven't had to do this yet, but there's no no instruments between me and the audience. So if the, if you did, well, oh. when, when, if. When, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when, uh, when I do actually play these pieces for an audience. Which is quite soon, isn't it, Joby? Which is quite soon, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's, there's basically no barriers. Yeah. So that's like one of the big problems of being any musician is that you, you, you don't want to kind of perform without any any barriers any anything mm. extra so you can you know direct the music straight to the audience straight to the listener so no marimba or anything in front of you nothing in front so how what how's that going to be? are you on the side side place? yeah so it's kind of um just putting putting everything left and right and making a great big semicircle so I, when i tried to describe it to people i was sort of it's kind of like almost like a little laboratory where you can mm. just sort of wander around and and do things. So there's just like one fixed setup of instruments. No music stands in front of anything. Hopefully, yeah. no music stands, but there might be some. Um, like a Christmas some... lecture. Walking around, yeah. Hey, look at this. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but less scientific. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Um, yeah, so it's, I, I, just trying to trying to get away from that sort of. I, that thing of standing behind some instruments and yeah. then playing them to a, an audience and there I, is that thing you have yeah. a music stand as a barrier if you're you know if you're a violinist or a jazz yeah. and you mm. put a you know music stand there or even an iPad there, there's still something there yeah you put a great big marimba there like and just standing behind it they can see your face if you're lucky <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting though, that you, you think of it really as you, you're communicating to the audience and like obviously you're doing it through the marimba but you, you almost feel like the marimba's in the way like the physical aspects of the marimba um, it's, it's interesting you, you you want to show yourself to, to the um, audience and take yeah. away all those physical boundaries yeah. I think that I think it's I think it's a more powerful experience I mean hmm. yeah. I, I, I hope people agree <laughs> otherwise I'll just put the rumor back but um, <laughs> there's a few pieces that I've performed or the, certainly the pieces that I've performed as a solo musician the most and have the most um all the strongest reaction from the audience are pieces for like a single instrument where there is no, there is nothing. So I've, I've, there's a, there's a, there's some stuff that I play for Barimba, which is the sort of Angolan shepherding instruments, which is just, you know, a stick and a stone. And oh, there's, yeah, 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 there, yeah. there's a microphone to amplify it, but yeah. there's not, and that, that can be down out of the way. There's a thing that I do for maracas with electronics, which again is just maracas and there's nothing else. So it's very, very direct. It's sort of, it, it's not being naked, but it's kind of, it gets stripping everything yeah. else away. Yeah. And then there's a piece that, um, there's a big suite of pieces that Gabriel Prokofiev wrote for me, but the first of which was this piece of music for a Fanta bottle. So oh, it's wow. just, Excellent. well, it's a pair of Fanta bottles, but you just, it's this Nigerian glass Fanta bottle, which you, you play in lots of different ways and you use electronics and looping and stuff. But again, there's just a microphone. So when I play that as a sort of standalone um track it's it's just that and this and some electronics yeah. and there's not a you know the electronics can be 
off to one side as yeah. opposed to directly in front of you. I thought you were going to say that you had to shake it up. You know, it was like the whole experience of shaking it up, let it go. No, 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 no. Sure. no. It's um, <laughs> you think you'd like to see the gig where that happened, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, you would, <laughs> or at least hear about it. Has <laughs> it got fans in it? Yeah, so. Uh, there's, the, bo- the bottles are probably downstairs. Okay. So, is it, I mean, I've played this piece maybe seven or eight hundred times since it was since he wrote it for me. Which oh is, wow! So it's quite an old piece of music now. Is it on YouTube? Yeah, there's a couple okay. of couple of videos on YouTube of it, and um, so the the first bit, the first, it's, the piece is in like two halves. First half is very much um, uh, how many ways can you play a glass bottle to get interesting sounds out of it you know, with a, with a metal stick. Um, you can beat it like a cowbell, like, like Gabriel's seen in Tanzania. I've always had one of those bottles cause it's serrated. So you can use it like a Guero. Yes. Yeah. And if you tip a glass bottle and tap it because the liquid changes, uh, its position, you can yeah. play mel- melodies on it as well. Yeah. And then using looping, you can then kind of make more versions yourself, but <clears throat> then processing those loops, you can, you can change, you know, the, the colour, the sound, you can filter it, you can, you know, add more octaves to it. So that's kind of the thing. And obviously the second half, play it like a flute, because why wouldn't you? Of course. <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> so yeah, that's the, the other half of it. So, um, no, it's not kind of shake it up and and and, and um, des- destroy yourself. Do you or... drink it at the end? Is that, is that the end? Yeah, you, there's, yeah you, you can drink it to, to take it to, you know, because as you tune the bottle, oh, you tune yeah. the bottle to empty. So you, you can drink it as you go. Oh, that's a big finish. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And it's only gone wrong twice. Right. <laughs> How would it go wrong? What? How would it go wrong? So if you if you had lots of glass bottles, which you, at some point, you just gently knock together. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like a pair of claves. Um, in the end, maybe you might weaken the glass. <laughs> <laughs> I remember some physics now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which concert halls did did you come to grief in actually it was in cambridge oh was it yeah weirdly it was in cambridge and um it's it probably 10 years ago and uh there's there there's there a moment where you just push the bottles together quite gently you know it's not like kind of smashing the bottles together but they're both full of fanta because you're in the front of the piece duh, duh, duh. <laughs> explodes <laughs> And go, what the hell's happened? And covered in Fanta, computer covered in <laughs> oh Fanta. God. Audience, yeah, wow. That's, like, that's an amazing finish. <laughs> so you go, yeah, and the rest of the concert meets that computer. Oh, oh no. <laughs> With like 10 minutes into this thing. And how and, do you um, style that out? I mean, some uh, dramatic arm action, I'm yeah, thinking. It, I don't know. It, I got out of it. <laughs> So did the computer, weirdly. Oh, that's very good news. <laughs> but yeah, quick change of shirt. Um, <laughs> just shirt, a bit of a clear up from the team. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh. So, one, one to probably forget, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but did you just style it out? The audience like, that's great. That's, that's how it's meant to be. I think did... they, yeah, I think they liked it. They, uh, they kind of, <laughs> you know, you kind of, you kind of have to stop and go, well, there's nothing else I can do right now. I've got broken glass in my hands. <laughs> and and oh. I don't think the rest of the gig will be happening because there's like a, a pool of... I'm going to the hospital now. Sugar, sugary stuff all <laughs> over the laptop. Just bleeding <laughs> profusely. Oh, dear. So for this record, you, you decided no 
glass bottles. No glass really. bottles. You, you, it's a caveat with Cambridge. <laughs> they wouldn't have done it otherwise, yeah, would they? Let you back. <laughs> Sorry. Can't come um, back. But what was the instrumentation? What, what were the parameters you set yourself? So, um, melod- melodic percussion, because it was something that I hadn't really done mm. as like a solo thing before. So I'd done like a found objects thing. I'd done sort of classic kind of old percussion stuff. The last project was loads of vibraphone, but with stuff around it. Um, so yeah, just kind of a big melodic fest. Um, so the the setup was kind of marimba and vibes, which are kind of like workhorse instruments. I suppose everyone, I think everyone uses one or both of those mm-hmm. in their piece. And then there's um, lots of sort of random tune things. There's like an allophone, tie gongs, and glocken, sort of Swiss cowbells. Um, what else is there? Oh, this thing called a space harp, which are basically these big rods. It's called oh, yes. in 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 LA they'd call it rub rods. Okay. Okay. Um, when it was made, first made, it was called an aluminium harp, and right. it's basically these long rods of al- solid rods of aluminium, which you um, you put on a pair of sort of magic gloves covered in powdered rosin, yeah. and then you rub this instrument, and it produces oh. these super high and very very long pitches so it sort of sounds kind of like so it sort of sounds like kind of bowed vibraphone or glass yeah. harmonica mm. but on anabolic steroids does that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that feature in your piece your, the first of the two on the album so the, i yeah so i used yeah. it on, on i used it on one of the pieces that i wrote the, yeah. the one at the end of the album yeah oh was yeah, it that's okay. sort of like it's that ethereal kind yeah. of yeah. that's right sounds, that's so yeah. that's that instrument wow so i did this pro- <laughs> so it's got all these names and I normally have to write down all of them to go what it is. And I did this project with um, a producer, I suppose, four or five years ago. And they, they were like, yeah, this is amazing. We call it the Space Harp. So <laughs> I decided to call it the Space Harp from now on. Nice. Um, Patented. Yeah, Good. the did, Space Did harp. you build that instrument? Or was it... No, so it was, no. Um, I found it like like most of the instruments that, that I find over the years, um, just by being in contact with various people and manufacturers and stuff. And there's a trade show that I haven't been to for a while in America where about 15 or 16,000 percussionists go for a few days. I mean, it's really close to hell on earth. What's that like when you get percussionists together? Are they, are they a friendly bunch? Generally? In America, very, very, um, very keen, very enthusiastic. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> probably more so than anywhere else in the world. Um, and I saw this, this, they, 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 there's lots of shows and masterclasses and there's lots of chance to meet um, other players and, and also people who make instruments and stuff as well. And one of the, the features, particularly if you're kind of, if you were 14 or 15 and you went to drums and percussion, you'd go to the thing that's the size of seven football pitches and look at all the drumsticks and all the drums <laughs> yeah. and you'd go and play. Yeah. And it's kind of the, the loudest room in the world. It's kind of <laughs> slightly unbearable. Um, but I was w- wandering around there to meet some people and down the end of one of the corridors, there was this guy with this big sort of set of these rods I was like I know what that is I have only seen one once before at Air Studios like 15 years ago just like hanging out in the corridor waiting to get used mm. I was like that looks like a that looks like an aluminium harp I've got to go and talk to him so we got chatting and uh, I got an instrument from him shipped over maybe six months later and uh, then it was just like when you whenever you find a new instrument it becomes what can I use it for and how can I yeah. how can I make something of it yeah um so that's I've sort of been on the journey with that instrument for maybe the last five years or so. Oh, that's cool, um, isn't it? So that's been really cool to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just sort of finding where that fits. So that's, yeah, one of the instruments that features on it as well. Nice. 
Um, with the, so the, the two you did on this this album, how do you how do you come up with the music? Do you, does it come from improvisation, or do you do you, do you move, is it a different way? Do you do you write down some yeah. ideas or what? Like so, uh, yeah, I don't do a lot of writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I spend a lot of time working with composers and producers. I have done for years, and that's kind of what I'm really excited about. And the, the sort of thing that you can bring to the music. Um, but I do get asked that question kind of most weeks, you know. <laughs> what are you writing? When, it, when are you going to write? Have you come up with an answer yet? <laughs> no, no. I can just, just keep on telling the same story. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, when I was a kid, I, I wrote loads of music. And then yeah. I sort of went to college and became a percussionist and or studied percussion. Yeah. Kind of, it got do that thing to be good enough to be able to do that thing and um so i've just the last kind of couple of years i've done some more arranging you know nothing nothing really big um and i've done a bit of writing but my my so for my writing it's kind of a bit of sort of improvisation and sort of playing around and and recording stuff and then you know sort of trying it in different ways i sort of feel like i need to hear things but then i often end up just you know writing down a few of those those ideas sketching them out and then sitting down at the piano to play them mm. yeah. and then coming there's no piano in here as you can see but i so go to the house and, and play the piano a little bit and sort of formulate those ideas into one very messy piece of a4 paper and then sort of sort of take it from there nice yeah. but there's so there's no there's no charts for for the piece i wrote it's just a lot of mm. i know that i want to do this and i want the shape of the piece to be like this and or the arch of it to be yeah. like this and yeah yeah, yeah. Because it, it seems like, particularly with the marimba, it seems like such a, a nice sound world to immerse yourself in. It's just, it, it seems like a very inspiring sound like when you're in it, if you're playing it. Yeah. So um, it just, and it, I don't know, it seemed like a very natural sounding piece. Like it's got those rises and falls and um, something quite had like some emotion to it. It felt, felt very, very human, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but um, I just wondered... Um, what it's like. I mean, do you, do you kind of do you feel like the marimba is your main instrument? Would you say or no, no, <laughs> not just, really. Isn't that it just sounds so, just sounds so natural it does, when you play it. Yeah, absolutely. It felt like a sort of centerpiece to the album, right. that track. Really, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Sorry, I sort of I must, misread that. Uh, right, well, that's really interesting because uh, actually, when I when I was sort of when you sort of sit down, and you, it's kind of a, that lost art of making a record now because you don't because it's going to you know where it's going to end up. Yeah. You, you can make a CD, you can make a bit of vinyl if you want to. But I still, when I look at that, the the tracks that we made, it's it's an A side, it's a B side, and that piece is kind of the you know that's the bit in the middle hmm. for me that for that marimba piece. Um, but in terms of the marimba being my instrument, I suppose yeah, for a bit it was. I suppose when I went to when I went to college, I turned up. I couldn't. I played marimba for maybe eighteen months or something, and not very well. I sort of scraped in. Yeah, I think it would be very fair to say I scraped in. Right, and. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, working and practicing and doing that thing that I should have had the opportunity to do. And I suppose I played a lot of marimba when I first graduated, but that was a while ago. So, um, and I'm, I'm, I don't like, I don't really like, I don't like listening to lots of like kind of solo marimba because there is a fashion for that in parts of the world. In America, there's a whole thing for, yeah. you know, solo marimba. In Japan, there's quite a big marimba thing. And there is that, because it's got the widest range of notes and it does have this very gooey bottom bottom end, mm. which sounds very lovely. But there's not there's not 
that many things you can do with it really well. I think it does two things particularly well. It does that sort of loopy, rishy thing really well. Yeah. And you can do corrals on it brilliantly. Mm. Um, but it doesn't... There's lots of things you can't do with it. Um, I actually much prefer playing the vibraphone because it feels like a... It feels mm. closer to the human voice because yeah. it's got more you can do with it. You can bow it so you can sustain it. It's got a faux vibrato effect. Mm. It's got a pedal so you can actually play. You can think about the ends of the notes you know, as well as the front of the notes yeah. in a slightly different way. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it it's almost like you need the family of inst- you need a bit of the family of the melodic instruments to kind of give you enough colour yeah. to make uh, enough of a a piece or a, or a, certainly a record. That's I mean that's my personal feeling as opposed to mm. you know whatever you know the percussion world thinks about it, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I I find it very hard to sit through an hour of marimba music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of marimba in iPhone ringtones and like alarm alarm <laughs> clocks. <out. laughs> there is. They've ruined the marimba for for everyone, haven't they? I don't know. They've made it quite pop, they've pop, made it popular. They've made it popular in some way. <laughs> <laughs> Time to get up. <laughs> yeah, but it's a nice gentle way to get up in the morning. That's isn't it? very true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> perhaps they need a new one. Something a bit softer and. I think you should get the iron rods out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling yeah. like... <laughs> Just smash you in the face with it in the morning. <laughs> it's lovely that you, you're thinking in terms of an album, though, because I, yeah. I'm still... I'm, call me old-fashioned, but I love to listen to... I love to listen to an album as a whole, and you can really tell the ones that have been thought of as a, as a kind of arc and thing. So did yeah. you agonize over the track order and things or did you have it pre pre-prepared in your mind had you been that specific in the brief no no not no not that specific at all um yeah i, I really like um there's a lot of albums that i really like which have that yeah. that arc or that's and they're often with with words they have that story um that i that for me i'd go yeah that's great and it makes sense and so this is a bit harder because it's well, it's not all instrumental music because there's quite a lot of bits of text and bits of voices and vocals in it. So there is sort of, but nothing, nothing. They don't connect in that way. The the tracks, um, yeah, yeah, a bit of agonising, but yeah. not not too much. I mean, it was mm. kind of obvious what went at the end, so that's that's helpful. Yeah. Um, it, for me, it was. I've already told you. I think it's fairly obvious for me what went in the in the in the middle as well. And yeah, I don't. After that, it's just trying to get some sort of journey to the to the thing yeah. but yeah you can spend a lot of time doing it and then it's interesting because maybe not, not a, now not a lot of people will listen to it in that way at all they'll listen to it in a totally different way they'll listen to a track or they'll yeah I wonder if that come back that round way. you know I feel like especially with the advent of vinyl becoming so huge mm. again whether people will get more into the bigger picture of it rather than singles and you know individual yeah. tracks yeah, I mean, you get, are you going to have tracks released as singles? Or how, <laughs> there are five it? singles. There are five singles. <laughs> there are five singles, yeah. Wow. Um, which is, I think, indicative of just trying to find the most opportunity for the music to reach hmm. its public. Because um, that helps in terms of getting getting more opportunity, uh, you know, from streaming. Yeah. Because there's more little moments. Well, there must be like a big create. demand for like playlists for this kind of music on on those those sites like Spotify and that. But hopefully to yeah. get to get onto those, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. I think there's some people working on it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And what about a vinyl? Is there going to be a physical no, release? No, there isn't. There's going to there's, there's going to be we're going to make a, there's going to CD, but there's not going to be a vinyl. Yeah. Uh, certainly at the moment, there's not going to be a vinyl. It doesn't. It, it annoyingly, it doesn't quite fit. Mm. It would it would have to be two because oh, it's yeah. a bit too long. A bit long. Yeah. Um, Vinyl's so, such, so expensive sh- to make as well. Should have thought yeah. about that. And I think it's still quite it's still quite slow to make at the moment. There was a bit yeah, a bit of a yeah, it's a massive backlog, isn't it? Big backlog. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, maybe I haven't I haven't released anything as a vinyl yet. So I don't know. Maybe at some point. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. nice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's, I've, I I still really <laughs> like having that that thing. Whatever. I it's do. The physical thing. I mean, I don't I don't I don't really buy it anymore, and I do consume music and just as a digital thing you mm. want to know it's there though don't mm. you yeah yeah i nice. yeah, like to have it nice. definitely um will you perform the album in track order when you have you thought about this yet <laughs> no i haven't yeah. <laughs> i was sort of thinking about it last week but right <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not the same order is it i think there's a few things that will stay in the same places but i think there's a there's an obvious start and there's an obvious end but it, yeah it's probably not it's probably not i think i'm i think that first gig in London, I think the idea is that I'm going to do it in as an album, but I don't know. Think about it a bit more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any tracks you're like, I've literally no idea. Well, I can't even remember what the notes are. Just like, because I didn't write it down. <laughs> Quite a few. Or, yeah. <laughs> and also like, how am I going to do all these things at once? Like, because you're, you're going to do everything live. Yeah. Just on your own. Yeah. And are there any bits you're like, what, I've literally no idea what I'm doing with that there's, yet. There's a few things that need to be looked at, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're stressing him out. Why haven't you sorted this yet? There's definitely a few things to definitely a few things to look at. Come September, because you've got um, like or or, like vocal samples of you, or or are they you speaking to a microphone, like processing? Do you have that on this? They're mostly yeah. So there's bits of bits of text. So um, some of some of the records have got kind of bits of text that be manipulated some that just kind of punch in mm. and the old thing and then there's one where i use a vocoder and deliver half the half the vocals yes so so that yeah yeah and there's like pedals all over the place is there there's a just... few there's a few pedals to trigger things and there's a like few delays pads. and that or... there's a few delays yeah so some stuff is sort of the stuff that needs to be pre-prepared and sort of stuck as a physical thing yeah um will be there and then there's some stuff which is live i've always found that that's kind of the best best way to do it so i think when i started doing stuff with electronics on my own um i had sort of back in 2005 i had this really rigid idea that all has to be live it's really important it's so essential that it's live um and just using guitar loopers and various bits of software and it was a massive headache and quite problematic particularly Mm. if you're using live instruments um, so if you're using lots of stuff with lots of microphones on stage, um, you sort of, you know, the risk factor goes up and up and up. And then we did this this one tour which had a piece by Gabriel Prokofiev and a piece by Graham Fitkin. And the Gabriel Prokofiev one was, it has the Fanta Bottle movements in it, but it's got other junk instruments. And so they all have to be amplified. Um, and then that all has to be fed to the front of house. And then it all has to come back to me to loop it so that I'm in control of where everything sits and where I trigger things. And they would the loops wouldn't run as like a kind of parallel thing, so it wouldn't be kind of like we're in four and everything kind of starts at the same place. The loops were kind of 
overlay with each other. Mm. So you can find more interesting things. And you stop and start things at different points. So it's all, almost all through composed. And then those loops would go back to the front of house and some of them would be digitally treated or enhanced. It's just, I mean, it's kind of a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and you go and do one show and then you pack <clears> it all down and next night you're somewhere else doing the next show. And so that was a really good experience to do. Um, and you then go and make the record and you, you refine it all down to exactly where you want it. And then you, you end up effectively with this massive track, which you can use parts of to make a live performance, which sounds much more finished and polished. So what I end up doing often is taking some components that are fixed playing all the components that I need to play live and then doing an amount of treatments and an amount of looping, you know, enough that it feels that it's got that sense of everything kind of, you know, being in the moment, mm. but it's got some stuff that's not going to go wrong. The stuff that's, the stuff that can't go wrong won't go wrong. Yeah. So there's a bit of a, bit of a backbone to it. Um, yeah. And that sort of feels, sort of feels good. Good, good for me. Yeah, it's and a think, good balance. Yeah, and I think the finished. I think the important, I mean, the most important thing is it, it's the it's the finished product for the for the listener that goes. Yeah, this this sounds. Yeah, it's the, the best version. Yeah. Of, it, of a live version of that. Of those yeah, songs. yeah. I, I think yeah. so. That's kind of that. I sort of I've got sort of come to that, I've, and it's I don't know. That's got fifteen years of sixteen years of realization. So, and yeah. knowing how difficult it is to, you know, it's not like I remember seeing. I remember seeing um, craft work in um, in Sydney at the Opera House doing wow. one of their oh, wow. 3D shows. Oh, I saw yeah. that at, at Latitude. Thing. Oh, right, yeah, okay. It's brilliant, 3D glasses. Yeah, on. amazing. Yeah. And they were in the little theatre, The I think it's the Joan Sutherland Theatre, it's a okay. small space. We were doing something else and I went to watch it and... It was it was incredible, you know. It's like thirty six speakers that have been flown in from wherever they're touring with this set of speakers, and they've got you know endless techs. The stuff's flying around the room, and it's all three D visuals. And you go, wow, this is amazing. But you know they've been in there for a week setting it up, and they've, it's it's really high spec. And the gigs that I was doing and I was going to get were you turn up and you know if you're on your own and you're you're just it's just your your gig and there's no support and you know, whatever. Um, then you might be able to get in at 11am and, you know, spend three hours setting up the place and then mm. you might get three hours to sound check it and make sure everything actually works. And that's kind of, that That became sort of always the work, that kind of became the working sort of concept. But then you'd get asked to do a little festival gig. It's like, oh, you've yeah. got 20 minutes to go, all right, exactly. great, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you need something that works yeah. for, for everything. Yeah. And the, yeah. And the difficulty... The, uh, the next difficulty then being a percussionist is that I don't want to stand there and play the marimba you know, for my 40 minutes set, I want to play the marimba for like five minutes. Yeah. I want to play something else for five minutes. Um, so every single thing has got a totally different set of, you know, mics and channels yeah. and delivery. So yeah, it's, that's that, because that's what the, for me, that's what the audience needs in terms of that mixture of stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah. you, you must turn up with a, a bit of a team that helps out, a front of house engineer. Or... Yeah, so I've I've had the same front of house engineer since two thousand and one, two. Oh, oh that's brilliant. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So Matt Fairclough, who's a brilliant sound engineer, we were we met um, working with Joanna McGregor, um, oh, two thousand two thousand and one. Yeah. And uh, we were always the last two in the venue. Me being the percussionist, him being the, the front of house sound engineer. Yeah. <laughs> so we spent a lot of time, and then we. 
had some projects the the following year and he called came on board and it's kind of been the same same ever since so that's a really important relationship for me and you know if you if your front of house sounds is or if there's some person who's never heard your music or doesn't quite know what's coming off out, out of your outputs <laughs> it's like you're lost yeah it so doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you do yeah. <laughs> to some extent it doesn't matter what you do yeah yeah so that's been quite that's been really good and i tend to take i tend to take a, a second pair of hands just to um lug and set my stuff up as well because mm. that sort of takes some of the the pressure off um and then the uh, power plant, which was the project which I did first of all, which had lots of electronics and video as well. There's a video artist, Kathy Hind. So that was always a team of four mm. for one performer on stage, which prom- nice promotes us love. Yes, uh, I bet <laughs> oh, they so, do. So you're, so you're a soloist. Oh, right. so there's four of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's right. <laughs> that's very heartening having a team around you as well for so many reasons yeah. like, like they're a natural barrier as well aren't they between you and the problems <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. yeah i think uh, yeah i think that's really true and the, the i suppose the only thing is once you you're once you're in it and it's started then it's kind of like it is down it becomes down to to you on stage mm. um but yeah it does it sort of spreads the load yeah. i suppose yeah absolutely yeah, quite yeah oh, that's very good um i saw a great picture on instagram of you well, your setup for Obi Wan Kenobi recently. Oh, right, okay, yeah. There was a lot of stuff going on there, wasn't there? Very many, many instruments. Yeah, so um, that was a kind of fun few days. I think we did. Yeah. Um, before they went and recorded it in America, so I think the score was recorded in America for that oh, show. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. And there was a few sort of solo things that were done in front. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure really how solo my things were because they were just sort of, you know, the the, the backbone of a, bun- a bunch of cues um mm. i think probably the first three or four episodes of cues and um yeah but it's just kind of w- w- what the composer needs so mm. natalie holt you know needed this that and the other so you, you do that and then you take a load of options to make sure that they get yeah. the sounds they want and that was kind of it was, that was kind of interesting because i haven't worked with natalie very much i think i worked with her on something at the end of last year was the very first time we worked together and that was in the room but everything else has been outside of the room did you do low-key it- no 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 we did a we worked on a wasn't the crack bear or whatever he was called something about a, yeah uh, fox cocaine cocaine the, yeah. bear there's is it a, that there is a there is a bear who eats cocaine yeah Goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we did a we did yeah we did that and there's um the obi-wan show and then there's a film i think it's just come out called the princess which is like okay. a, a Netflix uh, film with, um, oh, I, it's kind of I, I'm not quite. It's like a modern day, mm, a modern day. Well, it's we're sort of fairy tale, but it looks pretty dark and it's oh. age yeah. rings. You know, not 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 PG. Yeah. Okay. So it looks good. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so all of those other things have been. Um, sort of been left to my own devices or whoever I'm in the room with, which is often me or me and one or two other people. Um, and her engineer, Jake Jackson, who I know really well. Yeah, yeah. Worked together for years. Um, so I don't know, it's kind of, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes you need to take, you know, a set of toms and a, a vibraphone and sometimes you need to take the full arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, but so for that one, for example, that the Obi-Wan Kenobi one, did, did she say, look, I've got an idea. Can you do this? Or was it prescribed by her? Like everything written out? Did she say, "Look, just you know, express yourself with whatever you like"? There's, I think, as with 
quite a lot of um, composers working in film. There's they've they've made their they've made their mock up. They've used samples, and what they're trying to do is to try and bring some some more energy and some more life to the samples that they'll use. Yeah. It's the the idea that we're going to replace every sample is a kind of a thing of the past because that hybrid sound people quite like. Mm. You know, you like those those things that aren't quite real because they've been sampled, and mm. you you you. By putting enough other stuff on top, um, and in and around it, you can, you know, in the mix they can work out what works. So a lot of the drums will be prescribed, but the thing that we end up doing is sort of listening for the spaces. So and it's that becomes about frequency. So you kind of you you find out how much you can you can do. So like recording anything, you start at the bottom and see how much room there is in terms of you know bass drums and really low drums mm. if you're doing sort of drum track and then you sort of move up to get punch and c- certain color you know there's you know you, you, taikos and junjuns all different sorts of bass drums from around the world and you just yeah. keep going until they feel like they've got enough and you feel there's there's enough in it but it's about it's about sort of finding things that sit within what they've already done and sometimes replace things that mm. they've, they've got because you need to you don't want uh, any sounds to be competing with what, what's in the film, like sound effects or dialogue, or, or you know, maybe if you're playing in a very like an action scene, yeah, like I like guns and bombs and stuff, yeah, you know, drums might fit in the same sort of frequency range as that. So I think largely we don't listen to those things. We don't have those. You don't have it when, yeah. when you're recording. So like, no. So the control room will know what's mm. gonna. Yeah, it's going, and you you probably going to accept that you're going to get lost under all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you can sort of take it with a pinch of salt. But yeah, you you go in as a musician, you listen to the things that that you think that could you could you could add and will will improve it. And often often it might be about simplifying things. Right. Quite often people will, will write things that that um, might have more elements, and you can actually strengthen by just taking out notes here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. uh, I think we end up doing that a bit more often than adding stuff in. Yeah. Occasionally, like if you've got high high rhythmical things, you can improvise something on top, which which works really well. But certainly with the lower stuff, it's, it becomes about stripping it out. Yeah. There's so, so much competition for 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 space down there. Yeah. Mm. Also, like you know, people uh, composers mainly writing uh, at the computer with samples, and they maybe might have written something that isn't idiomatic of what you would actually do as a mm. percussionist so yeah. but it sounded great and so it's like deciding do we do we keep in what they wrote or do you do something that actually would have been what you'd done if you were a percussionist writing it i think it yeah it totally it totally changes depending on what the, yeah what the film is and what the context mm. is and sometimes the sample will sound great and they'll have lived with yeah. the, the composer will have lived for the sample for a year and there's no point trying to replace it yeah i mean it's just <clears throat> that's just one of those things and yeah. um yeah, I think yeah. There's been enough. <laughs> there's been enough times <laughs> where I've been in the studio and told, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't need you. We got the sound. Thanks for much. Yeah. And yeah. you go, yeah, but it's the same person and it's the same <laughs> instrument and we're in the same studio. I think on balance, I reckon it it inspires more people to create music for orchestral instruments. People that have literally got a laptop, or maybe they don't even need a laptop for some of it. They can be creating music. Um, so I know there's a sort of ethical thing of of like is it taking away work for people maybe like because there's maybe less sessions because they can just do it on the sample but i think more sessions happen because of it because composers are writing with those Opens instruments their eyes. in mind yeah, yeah to things yeah yeah i think that's definitely true 
Yeah, I yeah. Know. I mean, that, that was always the that was always the idea that you'd, you'd you'd make samples so that people can write better, do better mock-ups, get more money to record the score, mm. therefore employ more musicians, etc., yeah. um, etc. Yeah. Et I mean, like a, I think maybe a good a good example of that someone like um, Lorne Balfe, um, mm. who uh, I think it was. It was like the last Mission Impossible film, so it's probably five years ago. It was kind of like a crazy amount of musicians that he hired. So many sessions, really, you know, really big um, forces. I think, you know, hundreds of musicians here worked on on that score. And there is that kind of, oh, it's just bigger and bigger and bigger. But But it's also, he's gone out and developed the sound using samples to get enough people convinced that they're going to come to S Studios and Abbey Road <clears throat> and put in enough money to hire enough musicians to do it. I mean we we did a we did a day of sessions of bongos on that film. Like there was 14 Amazing. there was 14 of us in the room oh, wow. playing in unison. That's for six amazing. hours. Yeah. That's but, so great. And it's like, oh, I've got this idea for this. This Because, you know, it's what a Mission Impossible 6 or 7. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure where we are in there. Yeah, they've reached the bongo stage. Yeah. Like... Well, I mean, there was always bongos. <laughs> but it was just like there one was always pair bongos. of bongos. It's always one pair of bongos. It's like, what are we going to do on the next film? <laughs> That's true, yeah. There's bongos in the original tune, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. 14. <laughs> but 14. Amazing. Yeah. Is that on the main theme you're doing, the... I think the, we did the main the, theme and, and a bunch of other stuff. But there yeah. must be a reason that they decided that 14 is is a better sound From than just the same person <laughs> over... Or maybe it's cheaper. To, but I guess if you're the same person <laughs> overdubbing it, it would be overdubbed fees. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but there's, there's stuff you can do in technical wizardry to make it sound like there's more players. Yeah. But obviously... It, and how wonderful he did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. That's brilliant, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah, that, it and is. that, I think that's the that's the point, because yeah. you, could, you, you could just go, oh, we'll get one person to or do it yeah. with samples. But it's like... that And that experience of doing it live in a room, it's kind of... You know, it's a totally different sound. Yeah. You find you have to play as a player in a really different way. Yeah. We did, a, we did a whole day of drums, on just like drum sets as well on that film, which was similar. You know, it's the same... Exactly the same music, probably the same cues. Um, so everyone turns up with their drum set and then gets told to take their snare drum away and take all their cymbals away because we're just going to be playing tom-toms. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. So how many drum sets in a like, room? 12 or 14. There's been quite a few. In like air or yeah, air air. Yeah. There's the, people have done it a few times. I mean, that, that wasn't the first example, but there's not that many people who've done it and it hasn't happened that many times. But that yeah. was, that was really, I think, you know, Norm said, oh, Tom like the bongos so much. Let's do something else. <laughs> so, so that, so that. I want the bongos. More bongos. Want <laughs> <laughs> more bongos. It was, and it was really, um, yeah, it was really good. But and, and we we found that you you end up having that thing where everyone sort of to play. It's like fortissimo. Yes, play fortissimo drums yeah. in air with fourteen people. It just sounds like a horrible mess. And you end up playing quite, you know, mezzo. And you get this whole throbbing thing to the building and it's a very different energy. It's really cool. Yeah. Because that, that room is like so much, it's got so much character. Mm. It's like the sound of Hollywood films, isn't it? Yeah, that, that yeah. Room. absolutely. Um, and you can't find out unless you get all the people and stick in one room at the yeah. same time. So, yeah. That's true. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We did a, a, funny, a funny thing for, like, I think it's like Warhammer who make... Oh yeah, games. We did yeah. a logo for them a couple of years ago, which was just, I mean, insane. It's like you know, talking to the guy from the states saying, "Oh, we just want all the drums." It's like all the drums, all the drums. Okay, you want all the drums? What does that mean? They basically want a ring of, of like twelve people playing drums. Everything you got, everything you've ever then, seen, bring it along. And then you want metal as well. Uh, okay, and we want snare drums. Okay, <laughs> okay great. So you got to know what it's going to be. But people, and um, people just tend to. You know, they'll have worked out for their film what, what the what the flavors are, and they'll they'll send send you over a list, and you kind of get a vibe about what it's going to be. Yeah, and it's going to be that, and possibly you know when it says snare drum, it's you know it's not like playing the trumpet. You you don't just take your trumpet. Um, you have to take you know a range of snare drums for when it when the first snare drum they go don't like that one. You got anything else? Yeah, yeah. You can't be the person at the back saying no. No. <laughs> so um God. yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of a bit of a logistics and organisation and yeah, a bit of experience to know that that's definitely going to happen. Yeah, you know, that it happens happens often enough. That, you know, and it's embarrassing. It's not embarrassing, but it does happen. You'll be in with the orchestra and someone will say from the back, "Oh, have you got a mark tree?" And you go. Well, it wasn't on the list, but oh, yeah. yeah. But you yeah. say you just have so to. You, you sort of have to know that that's gonna. That's always gonna happen. Yeah. Um, mm. So when you, yeah, hope, hopefully, um, <clears throat> you you don't have those experiences, but mm. but they do happen. Did I see yeah. you were doing some gamelan at one stage? Is that I right? did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was that phase? Or yeah. Was that? <laughs> a brief, a brief Are you phase. through that now? <laughs> I did a, I did um I did uh I did play some the, the first thing I did for Natalie was, oh, really? was gamelan. Oh. She was excited about the idea of using gamelan on <laughs> on I I'm not sure what she used it on. Um it was sort of an experimental session just to make stuff. I do quite a lot of those where people just kind of record stuff, you know, as like a little toolkit, almost yeah. like a personal sample package. Mm. So, um I've played I've worked with some gamelan ensembles over the years so i don't i don't play traditional gamelan music okay. but i've played gamelan instruments yeah um so i kind of got half a set together and took it to the studio and we played around and it, it didn't it didn't i don't think it quite worked right. i think for the reasons that i suspected it might possibly for the reasons i suspected it might not work because it's a it's a really pentatonic you know really fixed set of pictures and you can't it's hard to get away from it but the, some of the things we recorded were really useful. The big, the we had got this amazing gong. I mean, really super special. Like two, two, two strong people to lift it and mm. stick it on a frame that then starts slightly bowing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it sounded utterly amazing. Ah. Um, so we got some really good things out of it. But uh, no, I don't play loads of gamelan. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, it's another, it's another percussion instrument. Yeah. So it's just stuff that yeah. you hit. Um, I think that's kind of you know that's that's the job. 
and you sort of make things. It's about it's about for me. It's all about making interesting sounds and making yeah. useful sounds. And if you can do that with a gamelan instrument, or you can do that with a mm. paper bag, or a marimba, or whatever it is, that's kind of that's the art. That's the craft. Yeah. Um, and it's about knowing. Well, certainly for me, for the the work that I do, it's about kind of um, being able to m- make the right sound straight away. And if that sound doesn't work, then coming up with something that that will work, um, or suggesting something that you know is going to work is as a sort of an alternative or an option. Um, so that's the bit I like about working with, with composers and is that there's always a dialogue, yeah, um, which is really interesting, which yeah. I really like. That's nice, yeah. And they yeah. must always, they'll sort of know you're an expert on it and they'll, they'll ask for your advice on things. And cause you, you sort of hope so occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not, yeah. Because, I mean, when you, when you were studying percussion, were you mainly, like, as you say, like on like, marimba and xylophone and and then did you realize how many instruments you were going to acquire by the time you got to this point no no definitely not um it's got a bit out of control because um, i mean every percussion sort of has to get a certain amount of stuff and then and then you can go for wild things you you know just interesting yeah. things you find and it's an it's a, it's a big undertaking isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah Being a percussionist. i mean some people, some people do, and some people don't. Some people, some people need need all those, need all those instruments because of what the, the the sort of nature of the work they're doing. So I've always played. I started off playing a lot of chamber music, and so you'd you'd need to turn up on your own, and you'd need to provide the instruments or organise the instruments. Um, so yeah, I've had I acquired uh, you know the instruments I needed for that, and then every so often there'd be something that you didn't have, and you need to organize that or get it or hire it or whatever and then you'd i think as i started playing solo things it was you know it's getting stuff for that and then uh, yeah it just sort of carries on do your then, family sort of roll their eyes when they see another package arrive at the house well most of oh them god now most, what most is it now most of the packages don't come here so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> i guess somewhere else <laughs> Um, you never need to know. <laughs> no, don't, you just don't need to know about yeah. this. It's fine. But there was a so there was um, and and then everything kind of becomes yeah. It just it gets bigger and worse. Really, um, <laughs> there was a there was a tour there was a tour that I did for a couple of years about twelve years ago, and all my instruments used to go on that tour. And it was kind of I had a big setup of instruments of mallets and drums and all sorts of things, and. Uh, I still had to, the instruments will have to go, you know, with the crew stuff, like the lights and the PA. I've go to South America or go to America. They'll go two weeks before you go. So your instruments go and then, you know, you've got no instruments left. So then you buy another set of instruments. You just get another <laughs> oh, set of instruments. Oh, my God. So <laughs> actually, a, a very fortunate position of <laughs> having two things of most, of, in most of the bigger stuff, which for me is really good because it means that I've got a studio here where I can work and practice um, and I've got some instruments here, but then if if I need a marimba, like a, I don't know, Abbey Road or whatever, there's a, a marimba that I can get delivered from King's Cross or wherever. So it's oh, kind yeah. of helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very good. Yeah. But it, it's kind of like logistical nightmare, which is, I've still left to be my own nightmare. I could sort of pass it on to someone else, and I probably will do before too long. Yeah. Before get- my back starts to break. Yeah, yeah. it'd be nice to have someone to just 
do all the portraits for you. Yeah, yeah. it would be very good. So. Can you yeah. train up a child? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, some children. I've got, I've got two. Oh, I've got right, two. Okay. They, they might, can yeah, do with some work. Getting to work experience age, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say which one, but I think one would be more useful than the other. <laughs> <laughs> we did this um, uh, amazing project during during well, well during the last two years with um, Little Sims. Oh, oh. Did, oh you did you do that? that? With um, produce, oh, producer called Inflow. God, that yeah. is amazing. That Inflow, her latest yeah. album. Yeah, so I can't oh, what it's so called, good. but it's got Love You, Hate You, and yeah, I introvert love it. Introvert. 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 Yeah, 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 that's yeah. one of my favourite songs of the last and two that years. It was another sort of one of those projects. Those kind of cross. I mean, I, I, yeah. it, it's it's got an orchestra to it, and it was a really really interesting project to work on. Um, so Rosie Danvers yes. was the yeah. was the orchestrator. She's done an amazing job. It just yeah. sounds so good. And Inflow, the producer, is just he's in Salt, isn't he? That guy. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's his. I don't know if that's his AKA or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm they're kind of a sure. secretive group, aren't they? They right. never play live. They don't really reveal. Their and it's identity. not really him. I don't, and, don't yeah. know. <laughs> it might, may or may not be him. I mean, he's just he's. I mean, Flo is this amazing producer, and he's he's um super chilled, super relaxed, and super nice to work for. But I've done a couple of projects for him, and that was the first one I did. And I think we started it, or my my involvement at, at, was at the beginning of when the orchestra in inverted commas turned up on monday at a church somewhere off the holloway road <laughs> just to try some stuff out yeah and the, the orchestra i think was a string quartet and maybe a trumpet and a flute mm. and me <laughs> and and there was a bit of track and there was some of his musicians there was a bass player and and a, and a drummer and rosie had sketched out some some bits and bobs and we just sort of played them and recorded them and went backwards and forwards. We had quite a lot of pret manger <laughs> We didn't work. It didn't feel like it worked incredibly hard. Um, but he was getting, trying to get towards this sound that he had in his mind. He kept on referencing these brilliant bits of film music, some of them quite old, sort of Disney things from the 50s and 60s. April Showers. Yeah. 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 Endless reference. He loves, it loves that. Wow. Yeah, there's these great. He had these really kind of interesting things. He's like, well, I've, I heard this sort of thing, and I was, you know, I had this sort of that, that I hear this instrument in it. I want that sort of thing mm. in here, and you go, oh, you're brilliant. Uh, okay, uh, and you go, I'm not quite sure about this, <laughs> and then you try it, and you find a context for it, and it, and it works. And it was one of those projects where you couldn't quite see, for me anyway, and I'm pretty sure this would sound for the rest of the musicians you weren't quite sure where it was going to go um and so we were booked for like one day and then you know towards the end of the day oh can you do tomorrow and maybe wednesday as well and the orchestra got a bit bigger on tuesday and a bit bigger again on wednesday yeah. we ended up staying for two weeks <laughs> did this whole set of recordings in a not a recording studio but they brought in everything to record us and um and it was it was it was you know sounding fantastic um but it sort of felt a little bit rough and ready, quite quite edgy, and there was no, you know, there was occasionally bits of, we would just play to a click, and occasionally there'd be a bit of vocal put in, or a, you know, a little groove or a little bass line or something, or they'd play that with us and then take it out, so you'd get these kind of beautiful, you know, bits of orchestral recording, and he'd talk about the album being this sort of 
you know, sort of sweet, as it were, mm. which I think it is, mm. having, yeah. you know, Definitely. gone the other side. And then we all went to Abbey Road and re-recorded a bunch of this stuff again. And I think actually they ended up using quite a lot of stuff from the original smaller church because they just preferred, you know, how it sounded or whatever. Um, and then the record came out whenever it did last year, I suppose. And uh, it's like, wow. Because uh, yeah. you sort of knew the bits and you knew what was going to happen where. Um, but the vision that he had for this was you know amazing and mm. i don't think i don't think we kind of realized what it was going to be but it's an amazing record the opening yeah. of that album as well it's just yeah, yeah. epic and you're in aren't you it's, like, it's that big morricone sort of style yeah. thing and yeah. with the sort of the layered drums and yeah. bells and then big brass and yeah yeah <laughs> really good it's so good yeah mm, i love it really love really so nice good. have you heard the the newest salt record that's like all orchestral is so different to their previous stuff. Um, it's it sounds like seventies John Williams or right. Oh, really? Yeah. Has oh. that just come out? It came out. Um, hmm, when was that? Maybe about six months ago. Year okay. Ago. Right. I might put that on in the car later. Yeah. Sounds good. I haven't. Known. It's so different to the previous. Like, yeah. You think what, what's it going to be? And it just it stays in this orchestral thing. It's yeah. like mm. it's really interesting. Yeah, um, I think he's got his head right into that world. Yeah, which yeah. is really nice. It's, it's like great. different, the totally different color. I quite it's so brilliant. Yeah, I, I like those. I like those projects where people are kind of they go out right out on limbs, like you know. And some some artists and some producers do it, and most people, I, I, I guess, don't or they don't go that mm. far. Yeah, you don't sort of you know, here's our safety <clears> list. <throat> move the move the rug and move the floor and just yeah. see what happens completely. Mm. Yeah, and it's quite interesting being involved in those projects because you don't quite see what what the result might be and it's always really pleasant when you you're doing something and then it comes out the other end and you go wow yeah completely <laughs> that was amazing so would these be your first gigs like in a while the 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 one in september yeah the first one will be my first gig of the year wow oh, and i said that to quite a big. few people going and it big. feels a bit weird um because i used to do like 100 gigs a year yeah and that's yeah. sort of felt kind of normal and last year I did a handful. Yeah. And I think the year before I probably did a, I, I did a few at the very beginning of the year. And I filmed a couple of things. Or I, did, I didn't film a couple of things. Other people filmed me doing a yeah, couple yeah. of things. Um, which, was, which was actually really interesting. Yeah. Um, although obviously really different. And uh, yeah, it will be, yeah, it'd be kind of strange going to play in front of some audiences again. I haven't really thought about it too much. Can maybe putting that off? Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I think it'll, it'll be, be exhilarating. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know, maybe not. There'll be there'll be yeah. emotions. There'll be uh, yeah. I, think, I must admit. I mean, that I did maybe half a dozen, maybe maybe a little bit more gigs last year, and I found it really difficult. Yeah, I found it really really difficult, and I didn't really enjoy myself. Mm. There was one gig that I did where it sort of felt kind of normal. Yeah. And it was down at a little festival in Devon, just by myself, you know, quite a small church, you know, yeah. when I did, did my thing and it sort of felt kind of normal. Mm. And, the, it, and it was very close audience. So, you know, um, it was presumably, it must have been a point where we were allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, and that sort of felt quite natural. But there was, there was all the other things I did felt... I'm, you know, pleased to, you know, be asked to go and do things and mm. and and do those things and, but the audiences were, I don't know, 
the reaction was definitely different. The performance felt different. Um, I don't know if that was not for me personally, not having done it for a long time. I think you know, you're a year, absolutely a year and a half right. Off, so quite a long time. Yeah, but also what you were saying about the audience, I think you're absolutely right. There's a there does feel like a different feel. It's almost like people still don't quite know how to mm. to be back in the whole landscape has changed. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But then that'll be interesting again. Then now going in in September, and then the new feel again. It you know might find it quite different. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not particularly apprehensive about it, no. but uh, I don't um yeah, it sort of feels like a kind of a, a, like it's a long time ago. It's mm. a, it's a long time the, the, that change. And yeah. I suppose I've almost, you know, I've been a, I've been really fortunate because I've been able to, you know, change my career path a little bit and do loads more recording and mm. just fill up my time doing that. And that's been great. Mm. Um so I don't, I don't quite have the uh, necessity to go out and play 100 gigs a year anymore because I don't need to. No. Because yep. I've got other things that I can do and things from home that I can do. Um, and I, you know, made a bunch of records last year and I made a virtual project and it, all that sort of stuff. Kind of, I, you kind of do it because you do it because you you need to do it. You want to do it, but you mm. also it, it, it sort of feel it works in the in the context of what what you can make happen. We'd love to come to see your gig in the Festival Hall in September. What's awesome. the date of... 30th of September. 30th of September! At London South Bank. Is, is that the... Which one? Uh, Purcell Room. Purcell oh, room. lovely. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. lovely. I love that space. Great. And then you're touring for like the week after that, right? Yeah, around, touring the week after. Yeah. And the then there'll be some more in March next year. And then I've got... On your, on your website it says North American Tour. Is that is that happening? Yeah, there's um, there's definitely Canada. Yeah, I think in, Janu- in January. Brilliant. So back in the January. Yeah. So maybe a bit of North America at that point. But well, you know, America, the United States. It's different, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Across the border. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So sort of stuff in flux, but Canada's yeah. definitely happening. Oh, thanks, Joby. That was fantastic. Hey. Yeah, that was really nice. Got into some good stuff there. Got. Yeah. I felt I was trying to trying to strike a balance between delving into his um you know how he was feeling about these gigs and nerves without actually making things worse yes by saying yeah but you're gonna be nervous aren't you (laughs) come on you haven't done a gig for ages how long's it been joby how long (laughs) yeah i know um i think he's gonna be fantastic he's thought through every element of it hasn't he you know the presentation that it's great having an album to perform as well isn't it I just think that's fab. Yeah, I um, I'm busy that night actually now. Oh, are you? Yeah, rats. Well, I could maybe go to some of it. Well, I think or you could you could go to Norwich or you could go to Leeds. Could go to Norwich, of course. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm free. I think I might. I'm gonna go along if I can. You're free. Yeah. I think I'm going to go because I think it's going to be a fantastic show. And I've listened oh. to the album and it's amazing. So, what time's yeah. the gig? Oh, blimey. I'm not sure. Is it a so, standard 7.30 start? Let's have a look. Right. I'll tell you right now, in fact. Let's have a look. All of this info will be in our show notes, by the way. So if you can't bear to listen to us rambling on, working out when it is, don't worry. There'll be something there. Okay. Hang on. Let me have a look. South Bank Centre. It is 
Oh, hang on. 10 p.m. <gasps> Is that right? 10 p.m. Is it? Friday the 30th of September at 10 p.m. Right, well, then I can come. There we are. There we go. I've got a gig at 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock. Perfect. It's one hour straight through. Lovely. Oh, that'd be nice. Late night Mm. gig. Yeah. Let us bring a beer in. Let you what, where? Do do you think they'll (laughs) let us bring a beer in? I definitely think they'll let us bring a beer in. I'm sure he was talking about having a drinks reception before the gig. That's right. Okay, so you'll be doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. No, I'm looking forward to it. Um, oh, yeah. cool. Well, that'd be yeah. nice. And, yeah, so, um, yeah, you should definitely check out his album. It's so good. And then and then book yourself your tickets. All of that listed in our show notes. Yes, excellent. And as we said before, there is more Joby. If you enjoyed that and thought, oh, I could hear some more, more of that man then, um, yeah, head on over to our Patreon. Um, also, this episode has been very um, expertly and kindly supported by Chimney Fire Coffee. And, oh, it has um, indeed. They um, they are offering listeners to the show 20% off your first bag of coffee. If you just go along to their website, chimneyfirecoffee.com, and enter the code three in a bar. Unfortunately, Seb, you've frozen again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear me, but unfortunately... Oh, no, I'm back in the room. I don't know what's going on I'm with back this. in the room. We've yeah. had all sorts of yeah, technological just. problems today, haven't we? Oh, yeah, sick to the back teeth of it, aren't you? Yeah. Ruddy well, what internet. What do we do? This is it. Um, this is our life. This is life. It's 2022, guys. <laughs> You know what? Maybe what we yeah. should do is wrap this little episode up and get out, make a break while we can before it all completely caves in. <laughs> Good idea. Good idea. Um, long live the king. <laughs> there we are. Lovely. <laughs> um, yeah. Listen again next week. Come back. Please do. <laughs> Or in two weeks, in fact, because next week, you know, it's a fallow week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, see you later, folks. <laughs> see you later, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> I've no idea if any of that tallied up there at the end at all, but I'm sure you can weave something out of it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.